0: Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. This is Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary and your host for this podcast, where each week we talk about practical issues related to ministry leadership. Today I'd like to introduce a two-part podcast on the subject of the proper use of power and authority in ministry leadership. Now, putting those words power and authority in the same title with the phrase ministry leadership is uncomfortable for many people. When I teach on this subject in class, I I often start by asking uh, for students to give their impression of the word power or their impression of the word authority. And every time I do this, uh, I get a mixed bag of response. Uh, Some students say that authority is good and power is bad. Other students say power is good and authority is bad. And then we, when we um, delve down a bit into why they're saying, what they're saying, it's very evident very quickly that there's different perspectives on how these words are used and what they mean based on uh, a person's cultural background, a person's uh, ethnic background, and even a person's gender, a man or woman, uh, thinking through how they perceive or relate to or experience these words. Another issue that really affects how people see the concepts of power and authority is how they may have experienced these words or these concepts uh, in past relationships, particularly in past leadership relationships. And of course right now in our culture there's all kinds of uh, discussion going on about the misuse of power and authority, particularly as it relates to sexual harassment and other kinds of abuse in employment situations but that's just one example of how power and authority have been misused. Sometimes they're also misused in spiritual relationships and in and in church contexts or ministry contexts. And because of all of these different experiences people tend to have various and widely ranging perspectives on the use of power and authority. Some people frankly are just very uncomfortable with talking about power and authority in the context of ministry leadership. But in reality, uh, ministry leaders do have power, and we do exercise authority, and it's important for us to learn how to do that appropriately, not shunning or shying away from these concepts, but instead uh, really understanding them, uh, owning them, and making use of these, uh, pa- these uh, uh, means of influence in appropriate ways. When you look at the words power and authority, uh, one way to understand what they mean is simply by looking them up in a dictionary. Uh, the Oxford, Oxford English Dictionary, for example, defines power as the ability to do something or act in a particular way, the capacity to influence the behavior of others, <clears throat> the right or authority given or delegated to a person or body. Now, listen to that definition, the ability to do something, the capacity to influence, and then the authority given. And so in the definition of power, uh, Come these words ability, influence, and authority. Now, listen to the definition of authority. Authority is the power or the right to give order and enforce obedience, a person or exercise or organization exerting control, the power to influence others based on recognized knowledge or expertise. So, in the definition of authority, is the word power and also the word influence. Now, the the overlapping of these definitions is significant. In the definition of power are the words ability, influence, and authority. And in the definition of authority are the words power and influence and expertise. And so you see that there's quite a bit of overlap in how these words are defined and how they're described. Now when you move beyond the uh, dictionary definition you can also look at a, a Bible dictionary definition. The word authority it comes in the New Testament from the Greek word exousia. And it means the rightful or actual or, Im, or, Im, or unimpeded power to act. Now notice here that authority, exousia, is defined in a Bible dictionary with the word power. So once again, we see the close interaction of these words. And then the word power in the same Bible dictionary is defined this way. Uh, power, or dunamis, is derived as a, a, a authority or the right or the warrant to do something. And so you see that power and authority, uh, while they're distinctly different in some unique ways in the, how they're used in the Bible, are quite often used almost interchangeably or with a good deal of overlap in their definitions. So what I want you to see in this first part of the podcast is that power and authority are uh, legitimate means of influence that leaders, particularly ministry leaders, must use wisely. And they are very closely connected. So while you may say, well, I like the word power, but I don't like the word authority, or I like the word authority, but I don't like the word power. In reality, Uh, These concepts are so interwoven and so mutually uh, connected, so interdependent on one another that it's impossible for you to say you own one and not the other, that you value one and devalue the other. So what I hope you'll come to understand as a ministry leader is that uh, you have power and authority and that these things are very synonymous as concepts. And beyond that, it's important to understand that they are neutral concepts, meaning that power and authority can be used for good or evil. They can be used for positive or negative outcomes. Now that we've sort of looked at a definition and even a Bible dictionary definition of these words and learned how interconnected they are, what does the Bible itself say or illustrate about how these words are used? Well, when you study the word exesia in the New Testament, you'll discover several things. First, Jesus either used the word often or or authority was often attributed to him throughout the Gospels. Uh, There are multiple occasions for this, maybe more than a half a dozen clearly uh, identifiable. And then there's also, continuing out of the Gospels, another half dozen references to Jesus having all authority sprinkled throughout the New Testament. Then there's also negative uses of the word ecstasia. For example, the Pharisees questioned Jesus' use of authority, Uh, Paul had authority to kill Christians. Um, uh, Pilate claimed authority over Jesus. And so we see that while the word is used very positively in relationship to Jesus, The same word, the same concept is used very negatively in other uh, experiences in the New Testament by other people. But there's also positive experiences by other people. For example, the Roman centurion referenced his authority in asking for healing in his family. And then uh, governmental authorities derive their authority from God. And so we see that the word exousia, often translated authority, is used to describe Jesus and used by Jesus. It's also used negatively to describe the actions of many. It's also used positively to describe the actions of many. And so I underscore again that this is a neutral concept that can be used for both good and evil. But what about the word dunamis? Well, frankly, same kind of pattern. Uh, Dunamis is also used frequently by Jesus or is attributed to Jesus. He had power. For example, uh, uh, Jesus uh, uh, went. A uh, power went out of Jesus during several healing incidents. Uh, Jesus claimed to have power over unclean spirits. Jesus gave power to the twelve and power to the seventy. Uh, Jesus both experienced and shared power. But just like um, authority, there's some positive and negative uses of power in the rest of the New Testament. Um, there's power to heal in the, in the book of Acts, and there's power over sin. There's also the power of sin. And so we see that power is used negatively in the New Testament, but it's also used positively in probably about a dozen different places that I was able to identify. Uh, power, dunamis, is used to describe a Stephen being full of power, for example, uh, the kingdom of God coming in power, uh, the power of the gospel, even the power of angels. Uh, This is not meant to be on the podcast a complete overview, but you can make that kind of overview study if you just look up the words authority and power, or if you have the Greek language skills, exousia and dunamis, and study all of the different passages in the New Testament where these words are used. And here's what you'll discover. Jesus both used and had attributed to him both power and authority. Uh, there are positive aspects of power and authority being used and attributed to the positive circumstances throughout the New Testament and there are also negative examples of power and authority uh, being both used and attributed to uh, negative uh, circumstances or negative actions throughout the New Testament. So uh, a dictionary overview and a quick biblical or a quick New Testament overview reveals these realities. Ministry leaders, have power and authority. Power and authority are largely interchangeable concepts. Uh, Jesus used both power and authority and had both power and authority attributed to him. And then throughout the New Testament, there are both negative and positive uses of power and authority. So it's important for us as ministry leaders to come to the place where we understand uh, some basic theological parameters about power and authority, and then, how to move forward and use it appropriately. Basic parameters, well, God has all authority and power, but he shares his authority or power in people and structures like family structures or governmental structures. Power and authority can be used for good or bad, and Christian leaders have power and authority and must learn to use it wisely. Now, with this background information, let's move now to the second part of the podcast, which is some sources of power and authority in ministry leadership and in ministry relationships, and maybe some examples of how to use them appropriately. Now, I've been able to identify over the years um, at least 10 sources of power and authority in ministry leadership and in ministry relationships. Three of these I put in a category as sources outside your control, and the other seven as sources within your control. So what are the three sources of power and authority in ministry leadership and in ministry relationships that are largely outside your control? Well, the first would be uh, the triune God, God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. We see particularly in the New Testament passages that say the Holy Spirit will come upon us with power. Now, while you can pray for the Holy Spirit's power to be evident in your life, uh, you can open yourself spiritually to the Holy Spirit working in your life, you cannot control the Holy Spirit. You cannot manufacture his presence. Uh, you cannot assure his activity. Uh, you cannot uh, uh, mandate his power be demonstrated through you. And so one source of power and authority in ministry leadership is the work of the Holy Spirit. We pray for it, we're open to it, but we can't mandate it to come. The Spirit moves as He will. And the second source of uh, power and authority in ministry leadership is your call experience. Now the reason I say this is outside of your control because in practical reality, it is. First of all, God calls certain people to ministry leadership. He gives them a profound inner experience Uh, That he often confirms with circumstances or scripture that cause each one of us who've been called into ministry leadership to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we've received a special responsibility, a special direction from God. We refer to it as a call. We recognize that we didn't manufacture this, it didn't come from us, it came from God, and quite honestly, many people struggle with this, even to the point of resisting their call, but eventually uh, respond positively to it. Further evidence that it's something that we don't control, but it's something that we only respond to as God extends. But then, secondarily, the call to your present ministry leadership position is also outside of your control. Uh, There was a time, for example... When I sensed that God was calling me to be the president of Gateway Seminary. But I knew that that uh, impression was just that, an impression. And the call would actually be finalized only when the board of trustees voted and invited me to become their president. And so the call to Gateway Seminary, while I did sense an internal prompting or a directing from God to take on this responsibility... Uh, That was really only confirmed when someone else, in this case the Board of Trustees, asked me to come. So if you're the youth pastor of a church, you may have been internally prompted to that responsibility but you really weren't called until the pastor or the committee or the church, whoever's empowered to make the decision, actually offered you the position. Same thing if you're a pastor. Uh, You may feel called to pastoral ministry but until someone actually calls you to be a pastor by giving you the responsibility, you're not really called to that position. And so call is outside of our control. Both our experience of God's call in a general sense and then our experience of God's call in a specific sense to a particular position, these things are outside of our control and yet they're part of us having the authority and power we need to do our work. And then a third source that's outside your control is what I'll call personality or gifts or charisma. Now, you may say, well, uh, that's really not very spiritual, but really it is because God gives you personality. He gives you gifts, both spiritual gifts and uh, talents or abilities, and he gives you charisma. Uh, For example, uh, my oldest son was is and has always been a remarkable leader. He first emerged in leadership when he was in first grade. Uh, We went in, met with his teacher for our very first parent-teacher conference, and the teacher said, "Uh, we're only six weeks into the school year, but your son is the leader of our class. She told us, I've taught first grade in this room for 23 years, and someday your son will be the president of his high school graduating class. We thought, wow, that's quite a prediction. But it came true. Because God gave him certain unique gifts, abilities, charisma, personality. He is what many people call a natural leader. People gravitate to him and want to follow him. You know, if you're a football fan, you know that one of the ways that uh, coaches evaluate quarterbacks is what's called the it factor. The it factor. When you ask a coach what that means, he'll tell you, well, some people have it and some people don't. And if a person has it, uh, then everyone recognizes it. And if they don't, then everyone knows it. And what they mean is that their quarterbacks, the best ones, have an it factor. They have a personality or a set of gifts or a charisma that just simply causes people uh, to want to rally around them. Another way to consider it is like this. While everyone has the potential to grow in their leadership capacity, uh, the, the range of that growth is, is frankly, limited. Let's imagine it this way. If you rank all leaders on a scale of 1 to 10 in their personality, gifts, and charisma in terms of their natural leadership ability, you might say, well, this person's a 4, but this person's a 7. Well, through training and coaching and reading and experience, a level 7 leader can move up to maybe an 8 or a 9, and a 4 might be able to move up to a 5 or a 6, but it's very rare that you take someone who's a four in terms of natural leadership ability and turn them into a ten it's just really hard to do that but everyone, while everyone can grow we all recognize that everyone in leadership starts at a different place with a different set of gifts and talents and abilities uh, a different kind of natural leadership ability if you will and that is what i mean by personality gifts and charisma that's outside your control god made you who you are gave you what you have, and while you can improve it and shape it and and make it better, you really are always limited somewhat by the person that you are, and you have to learn to work within those parameters and those opportunities. So there are at least three sources outside your control. God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the triune God, your call experience, and your personality, gifts, or charisma, the natural leadership abilities that you have. But what about sources within your control? Well, there's at least seven of them. The first one is service. Jesus said, the greatest among you is the service of all, and the greatest means of leadership, influence, is service. And so uh, every leader has the potential to serve others, give themselves away in a sacrificial way, and by doing that, earn credibility with their followers. Credibility equals influence. And so As you care for people, meet their practical needs, or serve them in macro ways where you uh, improve their salaries, improve their their, their standard of living, improve their work environment, improve their opportunities, as you serve them, you gain influence in their lives. Because as you serve them, they trust you more, uh, they appreciate your guidance, they're more willing to listen to your direction, and you gain influence through service. Now, another way, another source within your control is what I call position or office. For example, uh, when you become the president or the pastor or the director of some ministry, uh, by being placed in that office, you gain some uh, power and authority. That simply comes with the office. Now, I realize I've already said there's a little bit of this that is outside your control, but frankly, when you get in the position, how you use it, how you carry yourself within those confines, and the max and the impact that you make with the position that you've been given, that is your opportunity. Now quite honestly, this is also a place where leadership and power and authority can be abused. People get a position and they start lording it over people. Jesus said, No, you don't use your position to lord it over people. You instead use your position for the maximum benefit of the people that you're serving, the people that you're leading. Jesus is a great example of this. In Philippians chapter 2, it says very clearly that Jesus did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. Think about that. Uh, Jesus had the ultimate position. He was at the right hand of the sovereign of the universe, and yet he did not hold on to that position. What did he do? He emptied himself and took upon himself the form of a bondservant, and then being found in fashion as a man, he died on a cross for us and then resurrected for us. But Jesus used his position um, as being the unique and only Son of God uh, to benefit everyone except himself. And that's what it means to use position or office for the benefit of others. You don't benefit yourself. You benefit everyone else. Okay, a third way uh, or a third source that's within your control is wealth or resources now you may be saying wow uh, that's that's kind of uh, crass you you actually use wealth or resources as a means of power and authority absolutely yes and leaders have the opportunity again to do this positively or negatively for example If you have a leadership responsibility where you have any kind of budgetary management uh, decision making authority, you have the capacity to use resources uh, to accomplish good and to make a difference, and those resources give you power and authority. Uh, You get to to decide. Uh, what is spent, and where it's spent, and and how much is spent, and and uh, whom it's spent, who it's spent on. You you get to decide all these things, and that gives you power and authority to direct organizations or to uh, to lead out and, and to make sure things are accomplished. So, uh, it's a it's a positive use of power and authority to use wealth or resources wisely. And you say, but that can be abused. Oh, of course it can. Of course it can. Uh, People can withhold giving or they can withhold spending or they can be manipulative with resources. So all of these have the capacity for evil or for bad. I've already said that. But they also have the capacity for good. Another source that's within your control is what I'll call information. That means that you know certain things, and in the moment of leadership, the the knowledge gives you the capacity to exert uh, power, authority, to exercise influence. Now, this can be not only in biblical terms, but in, the practic- or in, but in other terms as well. For example, uh, you may know the most of anyone in your uh, leadership circle about the Bible. And so people look to you for authoritative statements about what the Bible teaches, and they look to you for direction and guidance and input. But there's other kinds of information as well. For example, a few years ago when the seminary went through its relocation, we had a this particular staff person, Gary Grote, who was quite helpful during that process. Why? Well, Gary had an MBA and an extensive background in business. He had bought and sold companies, bought and sold properties. He understood investments and the way money uh, is used appropriately in very intricate and detailed ways. And so every time he talked in a meeting, um, he definitely had the most influence or the most power, uh, way more than I did, because he had information that I simply didn't have. And so my role as a leader was facilitating his expertise coming to the forefront in the decision-making so that his information uh, carried the day. You know, sometimes leaders are insecure. Oh, they don't want people to, uh, to exert more control or influence with information they have because they want to be perceived as the one who knows it all. But really good leadership is about drawing out of the people around you the information and expertise they have whether it's expertise about the Bible or about finance or about property, whether it's expertise about management or human resources or a certain program like evangelism or discipleship, uh, the best leaders draw that information out of others and use it to uh, extend their organization. I remember one pastor taught me this many years ago. He was a good preacher, but not a great preacher. And he frequently invited the very best preachers that he could to be guests in his church. And I one time asked him, uh, doesn't it bother you that these people seem to have more notoriety than you and people seem more excited about hearing them than they do you? I mean, doesn't that bother you? He said, oh no, Jeff. I want the very best to come to speak to my church. I want people who are better than me, who know more than me, who have greater experiences than I do. I want to expose my church family to all of this great teaching because I want the best for them. And that's, the, that's using information wisely, uh, using a combination of your position, which is within your control, and information that you can bring in from others to extend your ministry or your organization. Well, another source uh, of power and authority is networks. Now, networks can, of course, be used negatively as people uh, put together cliques or little power groups, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about networking with people uh, in your community so that when you need to, you can pick up the phone and make a call and get something done. Uh, There's nothing wrong with doing that, especially if it's done appropriately and above board and in a totally legal and transparent way. For example, even in the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, all the presidents of all the agencies meet together twice a year. And we don't necessarily meet to coordinate our work in detail, but we do meet to maintain our relationships, our collegiality, and keep each other informed about major issues that we're all addressing. We do that because we want to have a network so that when there is a problem between two agencies or there's a misunderstanding or a miscommunication, one of us can pick up the phone and call the other and say, hey, let's get this worked out, and we can get it worked out. Why? Because we have a network, a network of relationships and trust, and because of our positions, we're in the network and we can use that network to make a difference. So whether your network is the elders of your church or the deacons in your, in your congregation or whether your network is the pastors in your community or the political and community leaders that you interface with, it's good to build relationships, uh, not to be manipulative or underhanded, but, in, but just simply to have relationships where you can work together to get things done. Well, another source of power and authority is tenure. That simply means, of course, the longer you're in a role and serving effectively in that role, the more respect you have, uh, the more deference people give you, the more clout uh, you have. And so the longer you stay, uh, the, more, uh, the more leadership, influence, and authority you have. You know, when I first came to the seminary, I had positional power and authority, and I had some informational power and authority because I brought some fresh ideas and a new perspective, but I, I really didn't have any tenure but now that I've been here 14 years, I do. And so when I make a decision, even if it's one that people question, they say, well, he he has a track record of good decisions, and while he's making one I don't fully understand now, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt because he has made a lot of decisions in the past that did prove out to be right. And so tenure gives you power and authority because it gives people a sense of deference and respect and, 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 and the willingness to, to give you some benefit of the doubt as you make decisions. Well, finally... Uh, the seventh and final source of power and authority within your control is competence. And that is, as you serve effectively and you make good decisions and you, uh, and you demonstrate that you do know how to lead, lead well, people will trust you even more and more, giving you more influence over them so that your, your competence becomes a source of power and authority. Um, I think about some of the leaders here at Gateway uh, that do an extremely good job in their area. Uh, a really good job with human relation human resources or a really good job with facilities or a really good job with academic uh, management uh, i just look at leaders in our school who've done well in their area and people listen to them and look to them and trust them therefore they have influence uh, over them because of the competence they've shown over the years so if you do your job well then you will exercise power and authority in a greater way because people will give you influence, they'll give you deference, they'll respect you and trust you even more. Well, power and authority in ministry relationships. Don't shy away from those words. Uh, yes, they can be used negatively, but they also can be used very positively. It's more important that you own the reality of power and authority in ministry leadership and in ministry relationships and that you use to learn to exercise or use power and authority appropriately then it is that you shun these concepts or try to avoid these concepts or some, somehow over-spiritualize your leadership in a sense that you don't want to interface with these concepts. So today, in this first part of this two-part podcast, I want you to understand that power and authority are very, are very similar uh, both in their definition and in their biblical understanding, there's a lot of overlap. Understand that God has all authority and power. He shares it through leaders and in structures. He wants it to be used wisely, and we must learn to do that well. There are some sources of power and authority that are outside our control, but we still must learn to acknowledge and interface with them And there are some sources of power and authority that are within our control. And as we do well in leadership, those sources of power and authority become greater assets for us as we seek to influence others. Yes, every one of these things can be used negatively. And we're going to talk a lot more about that in the podcast next week. Every one of these concepts can be used negatively. But they also can be used positively. And I want to underscore that and challenge you to learn how to do it as you lead on.